The reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 14 to 22, and it can be found on page 197 of the Bibles. Chapter 18, starting at verse 14. The nations you will dispossess, listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire any more, or we will die. The Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. If anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods must be put to death. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. We also have um, another reading from Acts chapter 3, which is on page 1094. And it's Acts chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 19, which is actually on the next page. <coughs> Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. This is the word of the Lord.
Let's pray. <clears throat> the psalmist says this, Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will keep your law, and obey it with all my heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our teacher, that as we come to your revealed word, that it is you who gives us understanding of it. And so we pray, our Father, that as we look at Deuteronomy, as we look at this theme of a prophet like Moses, that you would give us understanding, give us uh, an appreciation of what you're saying in your word. Please help us to love this truth. Please change our hearts, we pray. And please help us, Father, to live it out. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the more memorable moments in the run-up to the Brexit debate, uh, Brexit vote last year, was when Michael Gove said these words, people in this country have had enough of experts. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to get into Brexit this morning, uh, or Michael Gove, I'm not that brave or foolish. But um, whatever we might think about Brexit, whatever we might think about Michael Gove and his comments, they did capture something of the spirit of our age. See, we live in an age that is deeply skeptical about people claiming to know the truth. See, we live in an age when people tell us what they think is the truth, we doubt them. Someone says, oh, I'm an expert, I've got a degree, I've got a PhD, I've got experience, and we say, yeah, but experts get things wrong, and experts have their own agendas. And so we doubt what they claim. We're in a culture where those, even in high office, when confronted with truth claims, cry fake news. See, we are not just in a culture where we've had enough of experts. We've had enough of people telling us truth. But our culture's a strange mix. It isn't just that we're skeptical uh, about all truth claims. Actually, that skepticism doesn't really ever get applied to us. See, we're very good at assuming that everyone on the outside of us is wrong, that they're plagued with this tendency to to get things wrong or to, to have agendas. But when it comes to the inner voice within us, we assume that we're right. We assume that what we feel, what we see, what we understand about the world is right. See, we are a skeptical culture. We're very skeptical about truth claims. That is until we get to ourselves. And you'll know Christianity doesn't escape this skepticism. Um, You you would have, um, some of us are Christian, and I guess you would have had those sort of conversations with friends and families and colleagues where you've tried to explain something about the Christian message, and the conversations run along, and it's got to the point where someone says, yeah, but why? And you go to the Bible and you say, well, God says this in the Bible. And the person says, well, why should I believe it? They doubt the truth. They doubt the claims of the Bible. But the thing is, I've found that it's not that everyone who doubts the Bible suddenly becomes an atheist. Actually, there are a lot of people, I think, who believe in God. But it's just that it doesn't come from the Bible. It comes from that inner voice. We assume that we can understand the world. We're skeptical about the Bible, skeptical about everyone else, but we assume that we can understand clearly. The topic I want us to look at this morning should reverse that skepticism. 
It's not that skepticism is always wrong, but when it comes to one person, the person of Jesus Christ, we don't have the luxury of being skeptical. Uh, Jesus Christ shows us a truth in a way that only he can. And God wants us to see this morning that it is to him we're to listen to. And we're thinking about this topic of a prophet like Moses. And if I'm honest with you, when that came up on the preaching rotor, I thought, what's that about? Um, I kind of knew what a prophet was. I've heard of Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. And I guess if you've been a Christian for a while, you'll know that Jesus is king, and you kind of get that. Um, You probably get that Jesus is a priest, that he's the high priest. He kind of intercedes between us and the Father. You probably get those things. But when it comes to prophet, I just thought, what does that mean? I kind of know something about it. But actually, when you look at the early church, actually the fact that Jesus was a prophet like Moses was a huge deal. And I want us to see why this morning. The way I want us to tackle this is to take a step back and to think, what does that phrase, a prophet like Moses, actually mean? Where does it come from? And then I want to trace through to Jesus under our second heading, and then thirdly, under our third heading, I want us to think about some implications for our world today. First of all then, what is this prophet like Moses? Well, to answer that question, you've got to first ask the question, what is a prophet? And for that, I want us to turn to Deuteronomy 18. It was our first reading, and it's on page 197. I don't know what comes to your mind when I say the word prophet. I guess maybe someone who tells the future. But actually, a a prophet in the Bible wasn't someone who just told the future. They revealed God's words to the people. They were God's spokesperson. And actually, a prophet was an act of God's kindness because it meant that people could understand the world around them. That might not seem a huge deal when you first hear it, but let me explain why it is. See, the people in the ancient world, in this context in which Deuteronomy is written into, they knew that there was a reality to the world that they couldn't access easily. They couldn't understand it. In fact, people in the ancient world were a lot more humble when it came to claiming to know the truth than perhaps we are in our culture. See, they knew there was this reality that was beyond their control, beyond their normal understanding. They thought the gods were were controlling world events. And you can just see that. People go to extreme lengths to try and access that world. Verse 10 talks about people sacrificing their children in the fire, a horrendous act. But you can understand why they might do so if it was so important to access this unseen reality. But God doesn't want his people to do such things, says that in verse 14. And the question is then, well, how will people know? How will people know without sorcery? How will people know about without these sacrifices? Well, God graciously gives a prophet. See in verse 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command them. And this prophet, it became a real significant figure in the life of God's people because they spoke God's words. And so to reject the prophet and the message they gave was effectively to reject God. 
Verse 19, if anyone does not listen to my words, that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. I guess it's not too hard to understand um, the idea of someone else representing another. Um, Back in my days in uh, an office, um, I quickly cotton on that if you had a personal assistant, you were a pretty big deal in the organization. Now, if you had an executive assistant as well as a personal assistant, you were an even bigger deal, and those people I never really got to speak to, and I wasn't one of them myself. But if you got contacted by a personal assistant or an executive assistant of one of the senior management, you knew you should listen. You wouldn't ignore what they said. It wasn't um, particularly because of their role uh, of the person contacting you, but it was who they represented the CEO or the the finance director who sat behind them. And it's a similar principle here. To deny God's prophet is to deny the God who sits behind their message. But actually, when you look at this, I thought, actually, there's something bigger here. There's something even more substantial to this promise. Because God doesn't just promise a prophet. He promises a prophet like Moses. He says that on two occasions, it's going to be like me, like Moses. Verse 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. And I ask myself the question, what what does that mean? What does it mean to be like Moses? And I think the answer is this. Moses not only spoke God's words, he did that. He not only spoke them, but his words came with a dramatic power. See, as Moses spoke, as he called out judgment on Egypt, judgment came, the plagues came, people died. It was uh, huge power. As Moses spoke, he brought his people out of slavery uh, and created a new nation. He brought Pharaoh and the greatest empire uh, on uh, on the globe at that point. He brought them to their knees. He brought his people into a new, uh, onto the edge of a new land. He, he made a new covenant with them. See, Moses didn't just speak God's words, as big as that would be, but those words came with a transforming power. They changed reality. See, there were other prophets after this promise was made. There were lots of prophets, people like Samuel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, those sort of guys. And they were not quite like Moses in this sense. They were significant figures. They spoke God's words, but they died, and they left God's people untransformed in the same way that Moses did. And in fact, actually, even after all those prophets, God's people went back to their pre-Moses state. They were exiled, they were conquered, and there were a people subject to the Roman Empire. See, at this point, people then started to think, maybe this promise still stands. Uh, Not just that we, we want a prophet, but a prophet who will come and transform reality, who will come and transform us from slavery. And um, there's lots of chatter at the start of the New Testament of, of this prophet who would come like Moses, someone called the prophet. And I hadn't seen this before. It's very exciting for me, at least. Uh, I hope it is for you. But there became this figure called the prophet. Not just a prophet, but the prophet. To explain what I mean, um, I'll give you an example. I 
I'm a big sports fan, but um, there's only really one sport I like, and I'm afraid it's football. Now, I realize for lots of you it's rugby, it's cricket, that sort of thing, and I don't want to lose you at this point, so stay with me. I still appreciate what you do, I still appreciate what the sport gives, but I just don't think it's as good as football, I'm afraid. And often, lots of my friends do appreciate rugby and cricket and that sort of thing, and we often have debates about what the superior sport is, and they say, oh, your sport's for yobs, and that sort of thing, and people paid lots of money. But I always take comfort in knowing that football is superior because of the name, don't, I don't want to lose you, stay with me, <laughs> in, in, in the name of the World Cup. See, if you're a rugby fan, you have to call it the Rugby World Cup. If you're a cricket fan, you call it the Cricket World Cup. If you're a football fan, it's the World Cup. See, <laughs> obviously more superior. Please stay with me. <laughs> I don't want to lose you. And there's similar things going on here. See, there are lots of prophets, lots of World Cups, but there's only the prophet. There's only one the prophet. And I hadn't seen this before, but turn with me to John chapter 1. It's in uh, the New Testament. And it is on page 1063, 1063. I want us to see this. John the Baptist is um, preaching. People um, get very interested in him, and they ask this in verse uh, 21. Then who are you? Are you Elijah? John the Baptist said, I'm not. Chapter 1, verse 21. John the Baptist said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Do you see the significance? Verse 25. Some more question him. Why do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophets? See, people were longing for the prophet, someone who would come and speak and transform the nation. And John the Baptist, with his message, um, was not the prophet. But there was one who was, and that was Jesus Christ. And that takes us on to our second I want us to see that Jesus Christ is the prophet like Moses. Turn over the page to chapter 6, verse 14, to see this. Jesus feeds 5,000, a quite famous miracle. And after this, uh, in verse 14, it says this, After the people saw this miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Over the page, chapter 7, verse 38. Jesus says this, Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams or living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, verse 40. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Do you see the significance? See, Jesus was feeding 5,000 people, miraculously, and it reminded people of a time when God's people were fed miraculously by Moses. Moses cried out to God, manna, bread was sent from heaven, and people thought, wow, this is the prophet like Moses. Uh, Jesus, in chapter 7, he talks about living water coming out from him. 
And it reminded people of the time in which Moses struck the rock and water flowed out to, to, to give drink to, to God's people. And it reminded them of that. And they thought Jesus was the prophet like Moses. And indeed he was. See, Jesus didn't just speak God's words. He did speak God's words, but it was much more than that. His words came with transformative power. Just a couple of verses to see this. This is Mark's gospel, another gospel. It says this, uh, Jesus is confronted with a guy who's demon-possessed, and he says, Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently, and he came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. A man who's disabled his whole life um, meets Jesus. Jesus says this, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of the moor. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. A little girl, 12 years old, dies. Her father goes to ask for Jesus' help. Jesus comes. He took the child's father and mother and his disciples who were with him and went into where the child was. And he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means my little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the little girl stood up and began to walk around. See, Jesus came with words that could transform reality. See, he was this prophet like Moses. But the crazy thing is, the crazy thing is that even though he was this prophet that people longed for for so long, they treated him like a blasphemer. See, when God's prophet came, people were meant to receive him as they should have received God. But actually, they crucified him as a false prophet. And you'd think that'd be the end of it, this one hope extinguished. But actually, in his death and resurrection, Jesus not only demonstrates he's a prophet like Moses, he shows us he's the even greater Moses. He brought about a transformation that Moses couldn't bring. See, Moses achieved amazing things. He really did. He fed uh, his people, were hungry in the desert, and he called out to God, and he managed to feed them, to keep them alive. But Jesus Christ, in his death, gives his own body as bread that will bring about eternal life in us. See, Moses achieved amazing things. His people were thirsty. He struck a rock, and he was able to quench their thirst. But when Jesus is struck on the cross, it's not just water that flows out of his side, but the Spirit is poured out onto the world. And in his resurrection, Jesus Christ achieves something Moses could never have done. He is alive today. His words are going out to our world, and the Spirit is bringing transformation, conviction of those words. See, only Jesus Christ is this prophet like Moses. I'd love to say more, I really would. Come and speak to me afterwards if you've got more questions. But I just want to finish up by thinking about our response to this prophet. It's simply this, that we should listen to him. 
Here was our second reading earlier. You don't need to turn to it with me. Um, The second reading came from Peter, who's one of Jesus' early followers, and he's preaching to God's people, Israel, and he says this, For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. See, in the Old Testament, if a prophet came and uh, you denied uh, what he said or didn't listen to what he said, you you would be cut off from the people. How much more so with this prophet here, Jesus Christ, God's only son, how much more so do we need to listen to him? I ask myself the question, I ask it often, um, am I really listening to Jesus? I spoke at the beginning, we're kind of sceptical about truth out there, but actually when it comes to that, that voice within us, we tend to listen to that more than anyone else. How do I know I'm listening to, to Jesus truly and not just listening to what I already think? A friend of mine said something very helpful, and I, I want to share it with you. He asked me, can Jesus disagree with me? Can he disagree with me? Does he ever disagree with me? See, I think 90% of what Jesus says, perhaps 95 even, 90% of what Jesus says is kind of things we already might think, things we'd probably agree with him on already. I guess that doesn't, that's not a surprise. Our culture has been so influenced by uh, the Bible that, that it's kind of still there. But it's not that 90%. It's not that 95% I'm primarily interested in. It's that 10%. That's when I know I'm listening. It's that 10% in which Jesus says something different to what I might expect. It's that 10% in which Jesus teaches something very different to marriage than maybe what I like to think or what our culture thinks. It's that 10% in which Jesus talks about the, entire, um, the, the true reality of greed, the fact that I can't serve God and money, and I trust him with that. It's those 10%. When our culture says something different, when we think something different and we agree with Jesus instead, that's when we know we're listening. Maybe you sit here and you you hear Peter's words, listen to everything he tells you, and you think to yourself, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, why would I do that? Why would I listen to this one man over myself and everyone else? And there's two answers to that. First of all, it's a matter of Jesus' identity. See, he did not just speak words from God. Jesus was God. When you heard Jesus, it wasn't just an expert's opinion on God. It wasn't even just a message he'd received from God. It was God. It is God. When you read these words in Scripture, it is your Creator speaking to you. And I said at the beginning, if it's not him we have that we're listening to, it will be something, something else, and it's normally ourselves. And so we've got to ask ourselves the question, are we better placed to understand about God, the world, and even ourselves? Are we better placed than Jesus Christ, the Son of God? The second thing I want to say is that I used to think that, and, but as I looked at Jesus' words... I saw someone who spoke very differently to the world around me. See, as I look around me, I know that there are so many people, myself included, who use their words to tear others down, 
to put ourselves first. But Jesus uses his words to serve others. He uses his words tenderly to raise a little girl from the dead. He uses his words to pray for forgiveness as people nail him to the cross. And he uses his words for your good. If you are a Christian this morning, will you listen to your prophet? Will you keep listening to your prophet? Will you listen to Jesus Christ? See, I know um, from my own experience, and I'm sure it's the same with you, that there are so many voices crying out for you to do otherwise. There's those voices within you that, that go dead against what Jesus says. There's those voices of those people close to you. There's the voices in the world. And it's so easy to listen to them over Jesus Christ. Maybe you feel sometimes that you're just clinging on to what Jesus promises. Perhaps life feels so difficult to just keep coming to him. Maybe you've had a bad experience with people in authority. Maybe you've um, been lied to. Maybe people have manipulated the truth. But Jesus Christ is so different. He is the prophet like Moses. He uses his words for your good, and we're to listen to him. He only speaks truth, and his words will never, ever fail you. Let's pray. Peter's words again. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Our Heavenly Father, you know our struggles. You know so often, Father, we struggle to listen to Jesus as we should. Forgive us, Father, for those times where we listen to ourselves, where we listen to opinions about you and we don't listen to your message in your Son. Forgive us for that, Father, and we pray for your help that you would show us Jesus uh, for who he is, that you would help us to listen to him and help us not to listen to those voices um, that run against him, but listen to what he says and to trust him. We ask for your Spirit's help in that. In Jesus' name, amen.